Today we are going to be talking about the disappearance of Lauren Spear. And the crazy thing about this case is so much is known about the whereabouts on the night in the early morning that she went missing. I mean, there are times for everything, surveillance footage, witnesses, and yet having studied this case thoroughly, I am unable to pick a theory that I am set on. Because Lauren just vanished, and it's why her case, despite still being worked on, is still unsolved over 10 years later. So welcome to Strange and Sinister, where we will be talking about true crime, psychology, conspiracy theories, mysteries, and all things spooky and weird. I'm Emily. And I'm Sarah. Alright, so I'm going to spill the tea about why we're doing this right now. Yeah. Um, so we work together, me and Sarah, work at a coffee shop. We'd be slinging the coffee, slinging the bean every all day. day. <laughs> we sling the bean all day, every day. And every day, I would just like, me and Sarah would roll up and we'd just we'd talk always, about- Yeah, we'd always be sharing like the last podcast or like documentary we watched. Yes. I would like roll up and be like, Sarah, you know this case, girl? Let's talk about it. Yeah. Or she'd have to like, I would never know the name of the person. Like she'd give me a name and I'd be like, oh, I have no idea. And then she'd start describing the case. And I'd be like, oh my God, I've listened. Right? No, you're the only other person I know that goes as like deep into true crime as I do. Oh yeah. So I'm so excited to be doing this podcast. Anyway, today we're going to be talking about Lauren Spearer. Yeah, this is the case that keeps me up at night. It's so frustrating. Yeah, any case because it just, nothing about it adds up or makes sense because they know, like, everything that she went through that entire night and then, like, 4.30 a.m. hits and she's just gone, right? It just doesn't make sense. But Sarah's going to get us into the nitty-gritty on this case and tell us everything that we need to know and how we can help aid in the search for Lauren because it is still unsolved. 11 years later. Crazy. Yeah. It's not. And the more like time that goes by without a case being solved, like it's less likely that it'll ever be solved. And like a name like Lauren has to stay out there and it has to be reported on. Tell us why Sarah (laughs) with the laptop. Lauren Spear went missing on the early morning of June 3rd, 2011. She was 4'11", she weighed 95 pounds, and had blonde hair and blue eyes. She was last seen wearing black pants and a white tank top covered by a white shirt. She was last seen on 11th Street and College Avenue in Bloomington, Indiana. Lauren was 4'11", and I... Yeah, how tall are you? (laughs) I relate because I'm also really short. I'm 5'2", though. Um, so she's really short. She's really short. She's your short. Because I'm <laughs> freaking tiny, yeah. But I was 4'11 for so long, and I thought I was never going to get, like, my last final growth spurt. Yeah. <laughs> but I finally did, and now I'm 5'2". So I understand, Lauren. I do. I'm also a short queen. Anyway. <laughs> I'm, like, totally average. Yeah, I you're, think. like, average height. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be asking everybody, get you stuffed down at the coffee right. shop. Yeah. <laughs> Right. I always have to be like, or you have to go get a chair. I know, and climb up onto it because I'm just too short. Oh no. So I do feel you, girl. 
Lauren was born on January 17, 1991, to mother Charlene and father Robert Spear. She grew up in Scarsdale, New York. She has an older sister named Rebecca, who I believe, if I'm doing the math right, was 24 at the time of Lauren's disappearance. She graduated <laughs> high school in 2009, and she chose to go to Indiana University in Bloomington, Indiana. Have you ever been to Indiana? Yeah, and I've actually, I've been to Bloomington. Same. Yeah, I ate at the out, I've eaten at like the outback there and there's an Italian <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> Not the outback. Right? I just know it by the food and I yeah. like stayed in a hotel there. That's I like it. went for one like Halloween. They do throw some crazy ass parties there. Yeah. I That's went to, a party school. It's yeah. like in the top 10 or something. Right? Don't went, like quote me on that. Yeah, no, I think that's true though. I was there for a Halloween party like two Halloweens ago. And it was nuts. It was crazy. And this was before I even knew about Lauren. And if I would have known, I, I mean, I don't know what I would have done, but I would have, like, thought about it differently when I was there. I know, yeah. If I ever, like, it's a city I travel through a lot to right. get to other places because I, like, travel up north for family. Right. Um. But, yeah, I feel like if I ever went there again, she would just be, like, so heavy on my mind. Exactly. Because her case has, like, always stuck with me. So she was 20 when she disappeared? Yeah, 20 years old. She was in her second year of school. And she was really active in the Jewish community. She went to Israel the year before. Israel? Yeah. Uh, She went with the Jewish National Fund. And they, like, planted trees and did a bunch of cool stuff like that. That's so nice. Yeah. And she actually interned at Anthropology in New York. Oh, so she's a fashion girl. Right. Go queen. (gasps) Yes, queen. Short queen and fashion queen. (laughs) Uh, She had a long-term boyfriend named Jesse Wolf. Mm -hmm. Uh, She met years earlier at summer camp. And I think it's a summer camp she went to like every single year. She also met other friends that she would later attend college with at Indiana University, including Jason or Jay Rosenbaum. It seems like most people knew him as Jay, so we're going to refer to him as that just to keep it simple. But it is an important name, as he was a friend of Lauren and is also a part of the timeline of events that occurred the night she disappeared. So on the evening of June 2nd, the night before Lauren disappeared, she had had a couple friends over to watch a basketball game and drink wine at her apartment. Uh, She lived at a complex called Smallwood Plaza, and she shared an apartment with her friend, Hadar. She was close with her boyfriend and spent a lot of time with him, but she wasn't with him this night. He was actually at his apartment watching the same basketball game. But they texted up until they said goodnight, and he went to bed. But she did not go to bed. And I think he was under the impression that she was going to sleep, too. Interesting. That they were watching the same basketball game, but not together. (laughs) That but, is weird. Like, right? no article, like, flat out says it, uh-huh. but I've, like, read these reports that Lauren was at her apartment. She had friends over there drinking wine and watching basketball. Mm-hmm. And then there's other reports that they never hung out that night, that he was at his apartment watching his basketball game. Interesting. So Lauren's chilling with her friends at her apartment, and her roommate is home, right? Yeah. Okay, and so... so- I, th- I don't know much about the roommate. She's, like, done a few interviews after talking about Lauren and the guys that Lauren hung out with that night. But there's not a lot reported 
about what was up with her roommate that night, like what she was doing. Uh, she was there to like account for the fact that Lauren left her apartment mm-hmm. at that time. But after that, she's not really involved with the rest of the timeline. Huh. Okay. Yeah. So she does confirm that Lauren leaves her apartment at like midnight. And she actually goes with a neighbor. His name's David Ron. Uh, they go two blocks away to Jay's apartment. And the one from summer camp. Yeah, the one from summer camp. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So they went to hang out together. Yeah, and I don't else. know if it was like a party or just like a little get together mm-hmm. because I, there's only a few names that we know of for sure. Okay. Um, and it's the important names. Um, so she goes with David, her friend, and they go to Jay's house. And there is Jay's neighbors, Michael Beth and Corey Rossman. And Lauren had only met Corey and Michael days earlier at the Indy 500. So she didn't even know them that well. So she's hanging out with two people that she just met and also like some longtime friends. Yeah. Okay. So, an, so a, a mix. And... Lauren obviously goes there having drunk wine with her Mm -hmm. friends. And she goes there and she drinks more. And there's also said that there were drugs consumed at this party. Mm -hmm. And there's two drugs they mention. They mention cocaine and Klonopin. Klonopin? Yeah, Klonopin. Yeah. I know her. Yeah, I know her. Yeah, it's like... Uh, for, it treats seizures, it treats panic attacks and anxiety. That's such an interesting drug to bring to, like, a party or get together to It is. Do. Like, it's not like a party drug. It's not a party drug. Like, if you're going to go out on the town, I don't know if you do Klonopin. Yeah. I understand Coke. Yes. Going out on the town, you're a college kid. Those two drugs would, like, not, would they not, like, just do more harm than good? They kind of counteract each other so they mask each other's symptoms symptoms they mask each other they mask each other like how they present so your body is like taking this stimulant that is coke and it's like building you up and hyping you up and like energizing you and then you're counteracting it with this drug that's that's a depressant. depressant yeah so they counteract each other and you can't tell how intoxicated you are at that point And they were mixing this with alcohol. Yeah, and on top of that, alcohol, which is another, like, that's... That's a depressant. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, you're combining, like, three drugs, and it becomes really dangerous really quick. Because you can overdose without even realizing how intoxicated you are. Especially, and like I said before, she's 95 pounds. Yeah, she's small. And you didn't mention this yet, but she has a heart condition. Yeah, it's called long QT syndrome, and has to do with like the rhythm of your heart but it's way more serious than a heart murmur you have to take medication for it like it's something like you can die from especially if you're doing drugs or alcohol so lauren and her friends are all at this little get together doing coke klonopin and drinking which is not very smart but also you're in college yeah, like, it's it's not unnormal. It's right. A lot it's of like college students experiment. Yeah, and ex- they also are going to mess with these kind of drugs. Alcohol, yes. obviously, really accessible. Right. Coke, probably less accessible. But as college kids, so how did they afford the coke? I know, right? Because coke is an well, expensive drug. They are. Well, they well are. I'm gonna say like it seems like these are actually they come from rich families. Like, they all end up having lawyers later that are, like, 
really high-end lawyers and they're all from New York. Like they all traveled to Indiana to go to school there. From what I understand, like all the all their families are rich. Okay. So that makes sense that they would have Coke because they I have guess, access maybe. to it. They, they just have more access to money. Right. Well, an anxiety drug too is obviously very easy yes. for kids to get. Oh, yeah. A lot of kids are prescribed those kind of medicines. Yeah. So they hang out there for about an hour at Jay's house until Corey, the guy she'd only met a few days earlier and her, decide to go to a bar that's like a block away from where they are. So they uh-huh. go to this bar and it's like, to set up a picture of what it's like, they kind of have a beach vibe going on. So if you go to the back of the bar, they have like a sandy area. People take off their shoes and like hang out and walk around like that. So Lauren's there and she's she has a fake ID. She's drinking underage. And she ends up leaving 30 minutes later without her phone and without her shoes. She's already drank wine at her house. Yeah drank, you know, something at the little get-together at Jay's. Also combine that with the drugs that she might have done there. And then she went to this bar with Corey and got even more drunk. Yeah. Same. (laughs) Right? Same. So she leaves her shoes and her phone at this bar. So she's obviously not, you know, in the right state of mind to be out and about. No, and especially with someone she barely knows. Yeah. Like, how does she know that Corey's going to have her back? Right? She's only known him for a couple days. Yeah. That is so interesting that she would trust him so fast. Yeah. Especially, I don't know, I tend not to trust people that I don't know for a long time. Yeah. Especially in, like, that vulnerable state of Yeah, when you're going out drinking, Mm -hmm. like, you need to know that whoever you're with, like, has your back. Right. So, like, no one else is going to take advantage of you. Like, you're not going to get taken or overdrink or overdose. Right. This took place in, what, 2011? Yeah. Um, that is so crazy that she wouldn't take her phone. I don't, yeah, and even her friend said that she always had her phone with her. That like is she so wouldn't have just left it somewhere. Like, she must have been, like, so drunk. Yeah. Not think to have like your phone with you. That's like your safety net. If she doesn't have someone with her that she trusts, like she should like at least be able to call her boyfriend or call her roommate. Right. When I'm out, I always have my phone with me. Yeah. I always make sure it's with me because you never know what's like going to happen if you're just going to run into some creepos and you have to call for help, you know? And there's always someone that I am in contact with. That knows where I am. Right. Too. Like always. Yeah. Like if me and my roommate aren't together, like we know where the other person is. Like if they're going out drinking or going to a party. Right. We were there for each other. Exactly. Like just in case. Yeah. That's why it, I don't know. That's kind of why it's odd with the roommate. If they, I mean, yeah. they might not have been that close. She, but she had, it seems like they were. She's one of like the few friends that's name is really out there. Yeah, that is so odd that Yeah, and Lauren left. like had people that cared about her. She had a serious boyfriend. She yeah. had this friend who was also a roommate. Right. Like you, she, she had like her little group yeah. of friends. Yes. So they leave the bar and it's like 2.30 a.m. Uh, and they actually go back to Lauren's apartment. And it's only two blocks from the bar. There's really no answer or like reason as to why they decide to go back to Lauren's apartment. But they actually never even make it to her room. 
they go up to the fifth floor where her apartment was, but they don't actually enter the apartment. Um, Interesting. Yeah, they go outs- all the way up to the fifth floor and they don't yeah. go in? Yeah, when they get to the fifth floor, there's four guys um, that they're passing, and they're actually friends of her boyfriend, Jesse. Oh. And they ask Lauren, they see Lauren, that like, that she's drunk, and they ask her if she's okay. And there's one of them named Zach. He ends up punching Corey because he asks Lauren if she's okay. And Corey kind of answers for her and apparently gets smart with Zach. And he ends up punching Corey. Corey. Yeah. After this, Corey says that he doesn't remember anything from that night, which is shady. Okay. That throws, like, when, the like, if you say that and then the person you're with ends up going missing for 11 years, that's shady. Right? That is shady. How convenient that you right? forgot that you don't everything that happened. After you got punched in the face for saying something to a friend of the girl's boyfriend. Right. Honestly, like, that just, yeah. Good for that guy, though, for right? punching him in the face. Yeah. Not much is said about who these guys are or whatever. So you don't know if they were acting like fools, too, if they were yeah. drunk or any of that. But they asked Lauren if she was okay, and they punched Corey. So something must have been said. But they actually look bad. After all that happens and they go their separate ways, Lauren and Corey don't go to Lauren's apartment. They actually just leave. Straight after. That is so weird. Right? And they were right they had to have been right in front of her door. And if you think like if Lauren had gone home that night or gone home then and like called it a night, like she'd still be here. Right. She wouldn't have gone missing. She couldn't have. Because she was right there in front of her apartment yeah. door. And for whatever reason, they just left. Yeah. I don't want to throw sh- to, like all shade on Corey, but you have to ask like what his intentions were. Right. If he doesn't really know this girl all this well, and they're both super drunk, and he's that age, like... It kind of sounds like... Like, you wanted to have sex with her? Yeah, Yeah. like, you wanted to take advantage of her. And, like, a drunk state, and maybe that's what the little punch in the face was all about. You know? Yeah. And then it makes, like, Jesse's at home this whole time, but he doesn't have an alibi. Yeah. So if If Zach decided to text Jesse, that -hmm. gives Jesse a motive. True. Or if Zach tells Jesse, like, hey, this your girl's out and she's drunk and she's with this other guy it doesn't look good that would make that anyone upset yeah that doesn't a- mean jesse's a killer but it's a motive when you're looking at someone who's missing like you have to consider that possibility i'm sure they had to have like pulled phone records or something from jesse there's a few reports of like phone records but and supposedly like the police have really done their research with this case yeah. But they haven't really released all the information okay. that they've done. So it's a little harder to find, like, factual things like that, like phone records for everybody. Yeah. So, I mean, hopefully they do know more than we know. And that... I would hope so. That is them trying to keep that info close to the chest. So when they do find a person of interest, they can match that info. Yeah. And all the guys from this night are persons of interest. Yeah, I would yeah. expect it. <laughs> I hope so. They were lo- they were the last people with her before she yeah. went missing. But none of them have ever been like labeled a suspect. 
interest. They're just per- persons of interest. Yeah. Oh. Huh. Okay, so they leave Lauren's apartment without going into her apartment. Corey and Lauren leave and go where? So they actually go outside, and at some point, Lauren sits back on some staircases, and she falls back and, like, smacks the back of her head on the concrete. Yeah. And a witness sees this happen. She asks if Lauren's okay, and Corey is there to say, oh, she's fine. I'm taking care of her. Oh, yeah. That's not Which, a good look, Corey. If you, no, if you were taking care of her, you would have left her her like, left her at her apartment if, where she was safe. Listen, if he was taking care of her, he wouldn't have left her phone and her shoes at That's the bar. That's you. <laughs> yeah. He would, have been, he would have made sure that she had those yeah. things. No, she was just at her apartment. She was safe there. Mm-hmm. Like, she, she could have, have just been went taking, inside. Yeah. And like her, if he was really taking care of her and he knew she was that drunk, like, she wouldn't have even yeah. been out there. Her roommate would have been there. She would have been vibing, watching another basketball game with more wine with yeah. her roommate. And this witness watches her fall down two more times, like, as oh, they're walking man. away. And they end up turning a corner and going into an alleyway. And this part's on surveillance footage, although none of the surveillance footage has been released. There's, like, one photo just to show, like, what Lauren was wearing that night. But besides that, the police have kept that to themselves. But they do say that uh, he was carrying Lauren over his shoulder. Over his shoulder? Yeah, but so if he's as drunk as he's saying and he's acting, how could he carry a person over his shoulder? Is that, like, a thing, like... I can't even do that when She's I'm She's 95 pounds. I mean, I guess she is carrying someone yeah. over your shoulder and you're so drunk that you don't remember anything from the that night. That you don't remember anything and she falls again twice, twice. and then he carries her over his shoulder. Yeah, and, and one of the times that she drunk. falls, like, she can't even catch herself because she's so drunk oh and her face oh. smacks the pavement. And she has a bruise after this because of that. Like, it, Someone else sees her that night and reports her having With a bruise. Yeah. I'm very curious as to why the police haven't released any footage. I know. Whatsoever. Especially after 10 years. Like, I right? understand maybe keeping it to themselves at first, especially if there's, like, information in it that they need to keep secret. Right. Uh, but nothing. But it's been 11 years and... There has like, to be you would something think that on anything there. could help. And if someone, like, knew something about that, like, footage or, like, realizes something by seeing that footage, that could help the case. Right? Even if it was, like, a one-second snippet. Like, someone yeah. might know something. They leave this alleyway at 251. But later, police, when they go back and search this area, they find her wallet and her purse in this alleyway. Yeah. Corey! Yeah. Yeah. Dude. So she doesn't have her phone. She doesn't have her shoes. She doesn't have her wallet. And she doesn't have her purse. She's left all that behind. Throughout her gallivanting. Yeah. Jeez. Which I can't, I get so anxious if I don't, like if I'm not home and I have like my phone with me, I get anxious if I don't have it. Right? If I'm out and I forget my phone at the house, it's I have to turn around. I can't, I can't just leave. Like, I have to turn around and make sure I have my phone. Make sure I have my purse. And my wallet. Where do they go from there? So it's like 3 a.m. at this point, And they go to Corey's apartment. 
So okay. remember, Corey lives with Mike. Yes. And Lauren's met him too. They met a few days earlier. And Michael reports that they were both intoxicated and stumbling. And Corey actually ends up getting sick and Mike helps him to bed. Okay. So Mike goes back to Lauren and she wants to continue to drink and like go out again. But he's encouraging her to like go home or like stay on the couch or like mm-hmm. anything. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. So he ends up actually calling Jay to mm-hmm. come and get Lauren. Jay is her longtime friend. From yeah. Summer which, camp. yeah, if I were Lauren or even if I were Mike, I'd everything would be way more comfortable if she was with an actual friend. Like exactly. someone she no longer. And Jay is like the closest person to her. Yeah. Work, Mike. That like work, Mike. <laughs> that actually like is kind of helpful. Cause I would be very uncomfortable if I was in that state with someone that I had just met like a day or two prior. But also just paying attention to the timing of this, that yeah. call happens at 330. And the police, like, can have looked at records and seen that this call happened between Jay and Mike at 3.30. But they left the alleyway at 2.51. Oh. And that's, like, when they went into the apartment. So she'd been at the apartment for, like, 30 minutes at this point. If what they're saying is true. They're just going off of what Mike and Corey and Jay say. There's nothing, no one else to, like, say what they're saying is true. Yeah, they're all each other's alibi. And I keep thinking if Lauren is this drunk and she's had other drugs, whether she took them willingly or was given them, and she has this heart condition, like, how is she alive at this point? She is that, like, intoxicated. Yeah. And she hit her head. And she hit her head on top of that. Multiple times. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be down for the freaking count. Like, (laughs) the first time I knocked my head, I would... God, if I'd been that, like, if she was at her apartment, if I were that drunk and I was that close to my bed, I'd get right no in there. Yes. There's no way I would go anywhere else. I can't really imagine wanting to go out and, like, party more. Right. None of that adds up. It could just be what the guys are saying. And yeah, they're each other's all alibis. Like going so off what the guys are saying. Maybe she did want to get in her comfy bed. Yeah, but, I mean, like, Lauren did have, like, a history of drinking, too. Okay. Uh, The year before, she was arrested and charged for public intoxication and legal consumption of alcohol. Oh. So, she's drank before, obviously. But you think, like, she'd know her limit. Yeah. Right? If you have this serious heart disease and you have been, obviously, exposed to alcohol multiple times before... Yeah, I don't know. And, like, I didn't say this earlier, but police afterwards, when they go into her apartment, they find a small amount of cocaine in her room. Hmm. Yeah. Which I have, like, a little conspiracy theory on. And I'll tell you, like, actually in a little while. (laughs) What my theory on that is, like, when we go into theories. But if she's done, like, coke before and she's drank before... And she knows she has this heart condition. She takes medication for it. You think she would know her limit. Yeah. Or at least, like, not want to cross it. Right? Because it, it's, like, it's lethal for yeah, her. It is. If she crosses that limit. So, again, like, she's in college. Yeah, when kids are young, like, they feel when, kind of invincible, maybe. Exactly, yeah. I know a lot of, you know, it's Or she could have been hella depressed and didn't care. True. Like, yeah. 
we don't know. We truly don't know. Mike called Jay to come get Lauren. Yeah. Right? And she goes back over and she goes back over to Jay's apartment. And Jay reports that she does have a bruise under her eye, which would match mm-hmm. the witness's story of her smacking her face on the pavement mm-hmm. like an hour before that. And Jay insists that she goes to sleep on the couch. But according to him, she wanted to go out and party more. So he calls two friends. Okay. Um, and it I've read in one article that one of them was David, okay. the one that she went to the party earlier with. Yes. And then they don't give a name for the second name, but he ends up calling two people and neither of them answer. Okay. I mean, that makes sense. It's like, what, past 3.30 in the morning right now? Yeah, it's like past 4 now, which is weird because she went into those townhomes like at 3 a.m. So she's been there over an hour now between both their apartments. Maybe they're just talking. So I guess there could be a reason for that. So she's at Jay's apartment now. Jay calls these friends to come get her. And yeah, they don't but answer. no one answers. So he lets Lauren leave. Oh, And no. he watches her, like, go down the street and turn the corner. And that's the last that Lauren has ever seen by anyone. Oh, Jay. I had hopes for you, Jay. Yeah, and there isn't even much more to go on. After that, no one can figure out what could have happened to Lauren after that time. If everything went as they said it did, it doesn't add up. She was not caught in any other surveillance footage after that. They have looked into all the vehicles that they saw in the area that night. They've had the persons of interest, like, submit DNA, Mm -hmm. checked everywhere, and they can't find any evidence of what could have happened to Lauren after that. Oh, my goodness. So Jay is supposed to be our longtime friend. They met at summer camp. Yeah, how, why and couldn't he, just, he have walked her home? She lives two blocks away from him. Two blocks? Yeah, two blocks. Oh my goodness. And he he didn't even just, he wasn't even mm-hmm. like, I'll walk you home. Like if she had a relationship with Jesse where he, like she had guy friends, she went out with these guy friends. Mm-hmm. Like if it was all like, good and he was okay with it she could have called him even or jay could have called jesse like why didn't he call jesse yeah because that they were like all friends friend. they, were, they all were all friends, friends. like jay, why jesse wouldn't that have been the first number you call unless right? it would have upset jesse that she was out, out that late drunk with just these guys interesting it's like something i wonder i don't no i know i didn't can't think know. about that as we said jay jesse and lauren all meant it the summer camp forever ago. And they were all really good friends. Yeah. They knew. They know each other just as well. Yeah. Right. So why did Jay not just give Jesse a call? And it, I don't know. It doesn't really matter that he thought that Lauren went to bed. I still would have been like, hey, call, call my boy. You know? I don't know. She just wanted to walk home. It doesn't really say anywhere what her intentions were, but... Jay says he's under the impression that she's walking home. But if she's that drunk and she also just 10 minutes ago said, no, I want to like party more and drink more. Why would you trust someone to walk themselves home? Like, why would you not think, oh, maybe they'll try to go somewhere else or they'll get lost. There's something. That's shady. So shady about this. your friend like walk out into the night by themselves. When they're that drunk. When they're that drunk. That she's stumbling. She's stumbling. And she already fell on her face twice. 
Like, she has a bruise to prove it. Yeah. Like, why would you do that? She doesn't have anything on her. He knew, like, she, she doesn't used even his have her phone. shoes. Man. She used his phone. He knows yeah. she doesn't have her phone. How would you not have accountability there? Jay is not in the wrong legally just for letting her leave, but that's a pretty shitty thing to do right. as a human being. As a friend. Yeah. She doesn't even have shoes on. She left her shoes at the bar, and she he's just going to let her walk Yeah, without her phone, purse, shoes, wallet, anything? God, yeah, she doesn't have it. Like, can you imagine how much your feet would hurt right. after, like, walking around barefoot on three, like, Yeah, because she left her shoes way earlier yeah. in the night. And she'd been walking, she's like, been walking back and around. forth between yeah. apartments Without for, like, three, over three hours. And so the big theory is that one of these guys or multiple of them knows what's up or had something to do with her going missing. Or, I mean, I kind of lean towards an overdose theory that doing, like, drinking that much and having all these drugs at some point, like, she overdoses and because... There's cocaine. There's underage drinking. Uh, these guys freak out and they panic and they hide her body. The only okay, I there's some flaws in it. There are some. The only thing is like, if you guys were such great friends, why would your first instinct not be to call the police regardless? Oh yeah, that's a that's a like it happens though, right? I mean, yeah, like, it does happen. People do cover like, up accidental deaths because they don't want to get in trouble for some part of it. Oh, absolutely. Like, I'm sure when you're, how old are these people? Like, 21. I'm sure when you're that young and, like, you have coke in your possession, you're like, I do not want to catch a felony this young in my life. Yeah. But, but they also, all, they're all rich and they have rich lawyers that could have gotten them out of a felony. Right? Honestly, it was just coke. Yeah. Like, literally just it's coke. just coke. And I don't know how much, I don't know how much they had in, in their possession, but, like, I feel like your friend's death is way more important than you maybe getting in trouble with the law because you had some coke. Yeah. And it kind of falls short because whoever is involved and helped cover up, they would have had to all be equally culpable in it or, like, responsible for it for them to protect each other this long. That's true. So either it was just one of them or it's, like, a few of them that have each other's back, like... Yeah, because no one has said a thing. So they all had to have done something if they're keeping this info close to the yeah. chest for 11 years. Like, someone would have blabbed by now. Someone would have, you know, spilled the beans yeah. on one of them by now. But then you think, what if court, or what if Lauren leaves Jay's apartment and Jesse's up at that time and he just found out everything that's been going on, like Lauren was with Corey all night, and he just heard from Zach all this information, and he decides to go to Lauren and, like, confront her. Uh, the only thing about this one is if there were phone records of it, then I'd believe it. That's true. Like, if there were phone records, I feel like the police would already have gotten this, like, already named Jesse as a suspect, already interviewed him and everything. We don't, we, as just, like, the public, don't have any evidence that, Jesse was contacted at all that night. Nope. That's Not the only after they thing. said goodnight, there's no contact with anyone to Jesse. That's the that only thing about of. this theory that I'm not so sure about. Yeah, and I assume they would have checked with everyone's phone records. Right. So they would have been able to see if, like, Zach had called Right, like, one of the Jesse. little side 
or people, whatever, whatever. One of the roommates or something would have called him and been like, hey, your girl's like messing with this guy. I feel like they would have been on top of that if it would have happened. Yeah, but Jesse's mom also said some like shady things about Lauren. So yeah, like Jesse stays in, like after Lauren disappears, Jesse stays a few days uh, in Indiana. Did I say Illinois? I think I did. <laughs> I don't know. I was really. I feel like-, like I've said Illinois at some point. If I have, oops. Uh, <laughs> Jesse's parents uh, actually have Jesse go back to New York with them after a few days. So he like stays in town and like helps search for Lauren, but he ends up going back to New York. And uh, Jesse's mom says she doesn't trust the Bloomington police and that she blames Lauren's drug abuse for the reason that she's not here today. <gasps> She's quoted saying that, that it's Lauren's drug abuse. Oh, my God. Jesse's yeah, mother. Terrible, like, they were in a long-term relationship. They planned on getting married someday. Like, that's your son's missing girlfriend. You're going to say, like, her disappearance was her own fault. Oh, my God. That's really just victim-blaming. That is crazy, considering, like, that was, like, almost your daughter-in-law. There's no, like, communication going on between Lauren's parents and Jesse's parents. They won't talk? Jesse's parents mm-hmm. won't talk to no. Lauren's parents? God, how awful must Lauren's parents feel? Like, right. I cannot imagine. And they don't even necessarily, like, blame Jesse. From what I've read, they, they don't really point fingers at Jesse. They mainly focus on Jay and Corey, which makes way more sense. Yeah, they, they were, were the, the last people to see That her. were with her, yeah. Well, Jay was the last one to see her, allegedly. But Corey's the one she spent most of the night with. Yeah. And had the most opportunities to save her. Right. Like, he knew how drunk she was. So the last time that she was caught on security camera is 2.51 when they leave the alleyway. Everything else after that is based off what they're saying happened. Okay. Well, something happened when they went back to Corey's apartment after that I don't know I this one just really gets to me because like there's no proof that they did something no but even if they didn't do anything they could have done something to help help her her. yeah I mean that is true like they had the opportunity especially Corey the entire night she's alone she's barefoot she's intoxicated she didn't have her phone on her she didn't have her wallet and they're just gonna let her do her own thing or, like, leave right. an apartment where she's safe at right. by herself. That's what doesn't add up. I feel like no. if you were such good friends, you would absolutely not to just let two your friend blocks away. walk she away. two blocks away. Right? Well, did he even have a car? He could have drove her. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Parking garage is probably farther garage. than I mean, that's true that her on college, <laughs> Honestly, like, college yeah, campus. Honestly, on a college yeah. campus, his car probably is parked like four miles away. Do you know how away? far away? Like, when I lived on campus, and I don't I don't think they live directly on campus. I think it's some sort of campus housing that's, like, farther off campus. Okay. So, it's a little more chill. I lived, like, right in the smack dab in the middle of campus. So, nothing cool or fun happened there. Right? <laughs> but, uh... I had to yeah. walk from where I parked my car, like, half a mile, I swear. Ew. Like, in the middle of the night, too. I was always so sketched out. I'd do, like, the thing the where you put your the, keys yeah, between keys your knuckles, knuckles. And then I would have Mace in my other hand, yeah. and I would just walk home in downtown Chattanooga. Oh, God. So scared. No. Yeah. 
No, no, absolutely not. I and mean, I okay, would... I get that though. The car might be far away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just saying. Yeah, who knows? But even just walking, you like could have walked blocks, with her. Oh my god, a college she... student walking two blocks—that's like normal. Like right? that's nothing. Just walk with her. Yeah, she's a young, pretty yeah. girl walking alone in the middle of the night. And I think any stranger danger is ever a thing. Like if something like, like that's when like someone's going to snatch someone up is when they're alone and vulnerable. Like exactly. So that's also another big theory is that stranger, a stranger abducted her, which I mean, is possible. It's just crazy that after everything that happened that night and all the weird motives and all the weird situations for that to happen. Right. Doesn't add up to quite, but it's, I mean, I don't know. In a college town, I'm sure there are a lot of, you know, trafficking and things like that That's in you. college towns. Oh, yeah. Like, I know on my campus last year, it was the scariest thing. There would be like a couple white vans. Stop. Every time, like, just going around, like, near our campus and trying to abduct girls. Like, are someone you would jump out of the back and attempt to, like, grab girls just walking i'm serious yeah it happened yeah that's it was terrible it was so scary so i literally all i had i had my pepper spray i had my keys in my hand like i had like you know i I would not be able to leave anywhere no i was terrified all my roommates and i would walk together everywhere if we had to go somewhere we would always bring somebody because they were just out and about and safe in college nothing like that ever happened yeah, Nashville is not. <laughs> but uh, that, yeah, Chattanooga is um, safer than Nashville. Yeah, Nashville is a very big trafficking hub, and it's terrifying. But college yeah. towns tend to be because there's That's vulnerable true. young people everywhere. <laughs> vulnerable young people everywhere. Honestly, I almost believe that. I never, I never touched on my conspiracy theory. Oh my I god! Just wait, <laughs> and it, I have to like include it. Yes, I don't know. It could be a little out there. Not really. I guess my, like, kind of theory is that, so Jesse's the one that reports Lauren missing, and he does it that afternoon. The day after. Yeah, the day after she disappears. He called Lauren's phone looking for her, and actually an employee at Kilroy's answers it, and that's, like, my theory, is that the guys planted the coke in her room to make her seem like a partier, mm-hmm. and that's, like, the whole cover-up to them actually, like, covering up her accidental overdose or, like, something like that. I almost believe that because it is crazy to me that all of those guys, some of them were drunk, Corey was drunk, like, Jay, I think, was drinking earlier in the night. Yeah, and I don't know about Mike. He'd gone to that party originally, but it was actually said that he was working on a paper that night. Like, when they got home, he was working on a paper what he told police how are their stories all of their stories are so together like they're so detailed they match up like exactly yeah and if they're if some of them are drunk why how could their stories match up especially Corey. yeah he said he doesn't remember remember anything after he got punched in the face true but a lot of what happens is Going by what Mike says once they get to the apartment and going by what Jay says when they get to their, like, when Lauren gets to his apartment. Okay. Yeah, it's not so much what Corey's saying. That's why a lot of things are vague, like, when it comes to what happened in the alleyway 
yeah. all that. It's going off of that one witness and then some of the surveillance footage. It's not really going off of what Corey says. So Corey he says just, he doesn't remember. So it's really like Jay and Mike's story have to add up. True. So Which they do. They didn't really spend that much time with her that night. Right? So but they're they the last with, ones to see her. Yeah. But then you're left with, so maybe she did leave. Right? Maybe she did. And just, they're saying the truth. They just could have been better people and taking better care of her. Yeah. But there's just so many questions. There are so many questions that I don't know when they'll be answered. But no piece of her has ever been found. No. No clothing. And this, like, is a case. Yeah, there's no evidence. There's no body. There's no toxicology report. Mm-hmm. There's really no way to know what happened to Lauren until you find out who could have been there that could have taken her mm-hmm. or, like, if she'd overdosed on these drugs. I almost believe – you know what's crazy is that yeah. it is the least likely – if what they are saying is true, what Jay and Mike and all these boys are saying is true, and that she did just walk out of his apartment and turn the corner and she was never seen again, I almost – do believe a stranger abduction. Yeah. Because, I mean, I don't know. It was 4.30 in the morning. She was alone. She was vulnerable. She was probably obviously um, intoxicated. And it would be why there's no evidence. Right. Because her evidence wouldn't be there. Like, if one of the guys had done it, they would have found DNA somewhere in one of their cars or, like, just anything. Right. They would have found something. There were that yeah. indicated there that would have they been more evidence in the area because they searched everywhere. They searched in lakes. They right like used police dogs on all their cars. Like they were thorough with everything. That all the guys submitted their DNA. Mm-hmm. Um, they also did polygraph tests, but they refused to do them through the police department. They all did private ones. Okay, um, so all the guys their did and, their own polygraphs, yeah. but passed. But they all passed. Yeah. But, I don't know, polygraphs don't mean much. They don't. But, I don't know, I kind of believe a stranger abduction, which is insane, because that is yeah. the... It's usually, when someone goes missing, it's usually someone they know. Yeah. And especially on a night like this, where she's this vulnerable, and she's around people that kind of do some shady stuff. You yeah. Yeah think it must be one of them but there's just no evidence to support really right it's all like circumstantial or just speculation yeah yeah there's nothing to go off of i don't know if she was taken like if she was just picked up she could have been out of the state like they could have just taken her anywhere taken her anywhere and they just don't know you know where to look from there they have no evidence they haven't they can't look outside of Bloomington because they don't where would you go from there right there's no evidence that she's anywhere else so I mean if she was snatched like she could have just been taken out of the state out of the country even this is why I stay up all night thinking about this case because anything could have happened to her her parents have a website called findlauren.com where you can donate to um, the Lauren Fund, the Help Find Lauren Fund. And there's just a lot of detailed information about where she was last seen. So on findlauren.com, you can go ahead and contact the website. 
uh, with any information pertaining to Laura's disappearance. You can make an anonymous report at Indiana University Police Department at 812-855-4111. Uh, you can send anonymous tips to Find Lauren, P.O. Box 1226, Bloomington, Indiana, 47402. Uh, you can also contact the Bloomington Police Department at um, helpfindlauren at gmail.com. Or you can call 812-399-4477. And the parents also have a private investigator that you can uh, contact. The email is mike at investigations.com. And his number is 212-557-334. That was a lot of reading, sorry. (laughs) And that's kind of it. Yeah, that's this it. This case is so, I mean, all cases are sad. But, but this when one you just especially. don't know what happened, like, that's kind of a whole different level of just the not knowing. Yeah. I can't, like, imagine what it's like for the family. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure they're just going through absolute agony every day, not knowing where their daughter is. But that's the whole story. And if you did listen this far, thank you. That's it. So stay safe, stay strange, and we'll see you in the next one.